So, uh, good morning from me too, and I'm very, very glad to have uh, Bridget Moorman with me today. Hello, Bridget. Hi, how are you? Fine, thank you. Fine weather today, isn't it? Oh, yes. Well, I expect that in Greece. <laughs> okay. So, Bridget, I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners, please. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you very much for in inviting me to uh, be interviewed here. Uh, my name is Bridget Mormon. I am what's called a certified clinical engineer. Um, I have an undergraduate in mechanical engineering and a graduate degree in biomedical engineering, specifically um, clinical engineering, which is the application of healthcare technology in the actual healthcare environment. I've since progressed into I am an independent consultant, and I provide consulting on medical device interoperability, and part of my consulting is in the uh, remote monitoring for chronic diseases, mobile health, e-health, basically the use of, um, uh, I would say, the information technology infrastructure to provide, I would say, uh, geographic, to lessen the geographical limitations of providing health care. Mm -hmm. Of course, we have to start with simpler use cases to begin with, like the chronic diseases and stuff like that, um, before we get into there's also, you know, electronic ICUs and virtual ICUs and all that kind of stuff, but that's not really what we're here to talk so about. So you are, you are the right person to tell us <laughs> about telehealth system. Yes, I am. And one last hmm. thing. Uh, right now I'm here at the eHealth supporting a project, a European project called Smart Care, which is uh -huh. the uh -huh. uh, integration of uh, social and clinical services, uh -huh. but also with the Continual Health Alliance, which is a standards promulgation organization that um, has guidelines to end up to try and help build towards interoperability and plug and play from the device all the way to the health record network. So um, let's go back to your question about telehealth. Telehealth. Okay. okay. Telehealth. Telehealth, very broad term. Again, the use of the more and more ubiquitous information technology infrastructure available to us in the world to help minimize the geographical uh, limitations of providing services. And you see this in every industry, not just healthcare. Mm -hmm. So that would be specific to healthcare, telehealth. So you have little branches of e-health and m-health and all that kind of stuff. I like to think of it as the, the information technologies are going to be expanding and um, evolving such that you really won't have these breakouts anymore. Because the mobile phone is, is really, it's a computer in your hand, right? right? And literally that may change to something you wear or something that's maybe in a room around you. Mm -hmm. It's really a ramp to the network with um, access to functionality, whether it's centralized or distributed at the point of uh, the ramp to the network or uh, further down the chain as you would possibly analyze the information aggregate it and filter it and then send that information to whoever can act on it. So mm -hmm. very broad functional terms. That's my engineering background. But you see this over time. As we talked earlier, you see this over time with regard to technology and how it changes the way we provide, deliver services, and the way we live our lives. So, so we ask the patient uh, in many, many uh, programs to monitor himself. Right. Will that be accurate? Would Actually, that that's safe? a great question. It's, you're talking about the veracity of the information yes. at the source, yes. okay? So um, I think it depends on um, what's really going on. There's a fascinating thing we were talking about last week in uh, clinical studies. They were talking about using um, uh, mobile technologies for research. They were finding with it that when they asked people to write down whether or not they took a pill, they actually lied about it 90% mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. 
And so with the veracity of the information of you don't have the patient actually intervene on actually entering the data, but you actually just have the sensor take the data yes. and then send it, I think you have a much more trustworthy source of information at that point versus having some type of a validation mechanism at the source from the patient perspective. Because then I think the clinician will trust it more because I think there is some concern regarding, you know, what's the value of this data? What's the, what's the veracity of it? So um, we found in Renewing Health, which is one of the projects, that the, it also with regard to the cohort, which tends to be more elderly when you're doing some of these sensing for remote monitorings, is that you don't want to overwhelm them with a technology or interface that may not um, be um, – they may not be comfortable with it. Yeah. As we, as we get they the, not the gigs. Right. Whereas the children, as they get older, they'll be more comfortable with it. Okay. So you're going to see a change over time, I think. Change of the data. But right now, it was better just to measure it, tell them a light, give them a light that it was sent and it's good. You don't have to actually do it yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so that goes to veracity as well as to usability, I think. Mm -hmm. The data veracity and the usability of it for the patient. Is that uh, safe and secure, or we have a long way to go? Safe and secure. Now, that's an interesting <laughs> thing. <laughs> they um, have to be both. Well, yeah, I mean, the, another thing that actually came out for Renewing Health, and this isn't necessarily um, the area that I was an expertise in, but I was looking at the user groups. When someone is ill, sometimes they don't really care about the safety and security of that data. They want yeah. somebody to just act on it and help me. Whereas if you are not ill or you're looking for some type of a diagnostic capability or, a, a, you know, analysis of it, um, then you might be concerned about whether or not my personal data is secure. Is it safe and secure now? Um, with the continuing health guidelines, I believe it is, but not everything uses that. Um, you could say that about anything really, to be honest with you, that's flying around. I mean, just look at what's happening around the world right now. I think it, in the end, it's probably going to be incumbent upon sometimes the individuals to ensure that they have the level of security that they want, mm -hmm. um, but that there should be um, some security or implied security in whatever systems that are out there that the vendor can say, I'm secure to this level. The problem with safety and security is that you could be so secure that it could never be sent. The only way to be really safe and secure is to just lock it up into a, a vault yeah, somewhere. Which is not the way it <laughs> right. is. Right. It's a yeah. balance. You've got to figure out yes. where that balance is, and I believe it's different for different industries and different people and different cultures. For example, in the United States, we are much more of a what we call an opt-out for security, right? That's right. Where you go to a website, you've got to click, no, please do not send me all your emails every day, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas you go to a European website, you've got to opt-in. Yes, please include me. Very different philosophy of opt-in versus opt-out. It's a different way of openness. Yes. Well, in the United States, they're implying that you wish to be open. In, mm -hmm. the, in Europe, they're implying you don't wish to be open. No. So... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a positive or a negative uh, mechanism, but it changes the way you think about it as, as you're interacting with the interface. So, Okay, that's it. And uh, <laughs> there are some uh, big changes and uh, also some challenges for healthcare providers, isn't yes. it? They will face uh, many new, new uh, topics to talk about as increasing number of patients are monitored electronically, no? Right. Um, Several things going on there. Within the, I call it the healthcare enterprise, which is like your hospital or clinic systems, they, they actually are kind of like an entity in town themselves that they can control some of that. But once you go outside 
the walls of that, right? So you're now going on yeah. to uh, shared infrastructures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what are you going to do with, first of all, ensuring that it gets into the healthcare enterprise infrastructure mm-hmm. safely, um, that it doesn't um, cause problems with possibly infecting the healthcare infrastructure? And then the big issue with some of these remote monitoring and telehealth systems, which I think is what you're implying, is that you've got all this data. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> okay. Okay. We're in the big data era. But. Right, right. But, but the concern a lot of times with these telehealth and remote monitoring systems is that um, the clinicians are already busy. You don't want to send them information that is not what I call actionable, actionable information. So that's why a lot of times you see what I call the center sweet spot going on, the telehealth center, Mm -hmm. because that's an aggregation, a filtering, and an analysis spot. And that particular central spot there can kind of give what's called a pause, right? Okay, we've got the data. Should we actually act on it? Does the clinician really need to do something here? Or it's all okay. Right, it's like the, you said you had electronics background. The the old governor, right? You're standing there, you're looking at the system. Should I tweak the knob or not? Right? You don't. I don't need to tweak the knob, or yeah, I need to do something. Yeah. You need to have that pause and and management of that data and system, because I believe many of the clinicians are saying, "Don't send me all these emails that she had a you know that it's it's okay." You might want to do that every month if it's okay for a month, but if you keep inundating me with information, they lose trust in the system, right? Yes. They lose yes. trust in the ability of the system to assist them, and therefore you've lost the case for remote telemonitoring. So we need to be very careful about what's going on in that center spot with regard to the clinicians, as well as for the patient, they need to feel like I'm actually being monitored and I'm not, it's just not some robot on the other side, right? Because there's the aspect of this is care, right? The human part of it. So um, I think that's, those are some of the things that they're grappling with. Um, I've talked to some people who say I can replace the, the, um, telehealth center or that middle, I call it that center sweet spot, which is a computer and algorithms. Possibly, I still think you might need some human touch there because if you end up sending a lot of false positives to the clinicians, they're not going to be happy. And if you don't act correctly on the the information, if it needs to be acted on to the patient, then they're not going to be happy. And like I said, you've lost your case then yes. for that technology. So what will be the next day, tomorrow, Bridget? What's tomorrow? You yeah. mean with what, telehealth? Yes. You mean, what, five years, ten years, twenty years? Uh, how long do you think it will oh, be next um, day? Wow, that's a great question. Um, my background is actually implementing and making things work. So I've got for today. It, oh, for today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, making it happen. And um, the people that I talk to that have the visions, it, it really is the, in general, what you see happening with technology, it's the dist- distribution of the intelligence to the point of care or the point of ses- sensing, and then the the sending that information to where it can be acted on. So there's a lot of stuff going on in, in on, on standards, on the wrapping of these data with uh, smarts to go where it needs to go. There's the a lot of um, uh, wearable stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
what telecommunications bandwidths are you going to use? Could you bounce it off satellite stuff? Can you just use mobile stuff? Can you just use the Wi-Fis? Can you, I mean, there's so many choices out there with regard to bandwidth access. And then there's a lot going on with regard to the miniaturization of sensors. I think there's a lot of work going on, um, really future, 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 I think, because you have to test this, is that what I call complex um, physiological monitoring, where you would take many different pieces of information and then come up with a profile that tells you what's really going on and not just, you know, for example, for congestive heart failure, they tend to rely on one weight. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually a pretty good indicator. For COPD, they can use spirometry or um, uh, SpO2, but if sensor technology actually gets to where you can actually get a true respiration rate and quality CO2 measurement in a very small sensor or something like that, yeah. th- that would make the pulmonologist so very happy, and it would actually open up remote monitoring for some of these things. Not all healthcare tests or things can be done remotely. I think the other aspect of this is, is how far can you push this outside to the envelope with regard to the information technology infrastructure. Some things still need to be done face-to-face. We're not, I don't know if you know, Isaac Asimov wrote some very good novels about uh, with the robots, right? And one of them was a mystery of nobody touched anybody. Yes. They just did everything in test tubes and via virtual right. worlds. I don't think we can get to that point because it's not really our nature as human beings. So it's that whole question of how far can we push this that it's effective and, and is, is works for us versus when do we actually need the face-to-face. So I know it's kind of a real philosophical thing, but <laughs> <laughs> these are the realities with regard to the injection of yes. technology into these things. Let's hope for the best. Thanks yes. a lot. Thank you Thank very, you very much. much. Thank you.